1: Welcome, citizens, to this not-episode of the Liberty Podcast. Um, yeah, welcome, guys. Yeah, today is our...
2: Making an audio drama...
1: Podcast.
2: podcast. Yeah, podcast, podcast.
1: Um, So we've actually given this as a panel um, at cons before.
2: We, we go to conventions around the country, we fly and we drive and we meet people and it's a lot of fun. And we do these panels, like she was saying, at... We, we, host these panels but uh so we
1: pretty much sit behind a table and yep. talk at people and then they ask us questions um so this is the talking at you part and if you have any questions by the end or at any point please feel free to send in your questions to the liberty comic at gmail.com yeah. to our facebook page uh facebook.com slash liberty endures or go to our subreddit, r slash Liberty Endures. Literally any way you want to contact us. Also reach out on Twitter. Um, we will be happy to answer your questions and as part of the Q&A episode at the end of this season. So yeah. But
2: en- enough about us. Actually, we should probably... No one knows who we are, probably. It's a lot about us. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, For those of you who've never listened to our show, we are a sci-fi action-adventure podcast. Our strength is in immersion, so you feel like you're walking with the characters in real time through this fictitious sci-fi universe that we've created. In order, uh, basically, we're going to take you through the idea of conception. You know, you want to make a podcast. You've got an idea through, okay, uh, I found some friends. We recorded in front of uh, using a, a cell phone microphone recording application. Or, you know, maybe you've got a, one of you has a microphone. How do you edit that together with sound effects and have a radio drama? Well,
1: the first question to start all of those questions is why? Why an audio drama? Why a podcast podcast? And uh, that question can be answered by, because a lot of people in the modern age have access to something more than old-time radio. Um, But a lot of people work from the computers. They go on runs. They do a lot of things where they want audio entertainment, something that they can just pop in their little earbuds and continue on their way. And It's extremely accessible. Very accessible. It's something that people can do any time of the day, cooking working around the house out at work during the commute. And
2: in addition, it's also uh, really accessible from a creative perspective. So I used to work in film and to make like a five minute short film can cost upwards of $10,000 easily on, um, you know, you borrow the camera, you get the sound equipment, you get the lighting, the actors. And then if you're working on like comic books, that's hours and, and years of your life, um, getting pages years of artwork years. done and years. <laughs> um, so in terms of creative storytelling mediums, uh, it's a little bit more immersive from my perspective than, uh, writing because you actually have you this reading. reading. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm thinking from the creative perspective, but if you're a creative mind and you're trying to think like, okay, how can I really get people immersed in my world? Well, oh, here's a book. He gives one for their birthday and they're like, oh, thank you.
1: Now I have to go spend hours doing nothing but reading a book.
2: Whereas, like, if you have this audio drama, it's like, okay, here's something to listen to. It'll take you five minutes, and if you don't like it, you'll know really quickly. So that's kind of the beauty of the medium from a creative t- uh, storytelling perspective. And audio drama, for specification, is kind of like basically it's a play that you listen to.
1: Think of old timey radio where they're like, "What's that in the sky? The it's a superhero!" Like, yeah, you know, <coughs> except we don't do superheroes. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, it's a story, and it's part where you're actually in there with people. The one that we do is you're in there with the people, or there's a narrator, or sometimes it's presented as journalism, things like that. And you're hearing a story that's fictional, amazing adventure, maybe scary, maybe romantic. We don't there are, <laughs> the number of genres
2: in the uh, audio drama field are just vast. Yeah. Um,
1: it's everything. Anything that you could find in film?
2: Also, there was a recent... Um, Uh, best-selling author who also carried a blog on the side. And he said that he also did a couple of audio recordings. And he said people would empathize more with the recordings that he'd done and said, oh, they're so personal. He's like, but I've been writing the same things that I'm saying here for years. And now just people hearing his voice and hearing his emotion was a lot more
1: um, relatable. Yeah, so just like we said, podcasts are very accessible. Um, For some people, they're an entirely different experience than reading. Some people don't really read well, even if they're very literate people. It's just some people look at words on a page and they don't have a connection, which is why some people connect a lot more with movies or TV shows. Yeah. And an audio drama is kind of that midway. It's it's the the audio. It's hearing somebody scream and f- seeing in your mind's eye as they're starting to cry, like the the tears well up in their eyes. It's this connection that... Some people don't get out of reading, and some people can get that out of an audio drama.
2: And it still has, uh, because of the lack of visuals, uh, it's cheaper, but it also gives you more mental creativity to come up with what the characters look like, what might be happening in the framing of the scene, and that sort of thing. The mind's eye is still present and prevalent.
1: So, who are you?
2: (laughs) What? Oh, yes. Who am I? Yes, that's (laughs) important. So, I'm Travis Vengroff. I'm the creator of the Liberty Universe, and I also handle... A lot of working with the actors and getting the recordings uh, from the cast. Um, I also create the sound effects and uh, edit them all together, getting everything ready for the mixing phase.
1: He's the man who takes all the little parts and makes it into the final piece that you see. Yes. The constructor. Yes.
2: I'm basically <laughs> a glorified editor. And uh, who are you, person on the other side of the room, who is also drinking a soy chai tea latte?
1: Yes, drinking.
2: We, we drink every QA episode and stuff, so... Sort of thing.
1: I am Caitlin Statz. I am the uh, writer for Liberty Critical Research. Um, I'm also the writer for several of the Liberty Tales from the Tower and some future upcoming things that are not yet produced or even fully written. But I am the writer. So I take his world, because he made the world, and I put people in it and I populate it and I make adventures and stories and scary things.
2: So when you're making a podcast and you're like, okay, I've got, uh, well, what have I got? I've got an idea. But what's your, the next question you want to ask yourself is what is your niche?
1: You mean our liberty niche? So
2: ours is, um, we, ours. Have this, <laughs> ours, we have this sci-fi universe we've had developed pretty well um, and working on it for years. My strength is audio design. I come from a music background. And uh, we have this really well-developed sci-fi comic book and stuff, and it would fit really well into a podcast. So that was ours. Uh, but maybe yours happens to be, well, you have a really good uh, friend who happens to be a voice actor.
1: Oh, yes. So when you are thinking of, okay, the conception of our podcast, um, our specifically audio drama, um, there are a lot of different types of podcasts. Some of them are not audio dramas, but we're talking about audio dramas here. Specifically. Um, so think about it. So if you have a really great idea for a fantasy world or a really great idea for a story about a man who was bitten by a chupacabra or something, you need to think about who- <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I'm kind of liking that one. The goat sucker. Okay. <laughs> um, so you have this great idea, but then each story has like an, a little niche. So there's people who are interested in horror and they're very good at it there's people who like sci-fi people who like fantasy people who like all these different types of things but there's also the people who will enjoy a more journalism approach or what we have which is the immersive approach or even the narrative approach and all of those are different kinds of ways of showing your world and which is all right. part of your niche and they're all perfectly valid ways of doing it actually with tales from the pa- tower Ta- power tales from tales the power, from the power. <laughs> with tales from the tower um we actually kind of do a lot of different types of formats we have some narrative we have some that are immersive and we have um an upcoming one that's sort of like journalism so there is a lot um, and they're all completely great ways of presenting your story, but you just have to find what it is that you're going to do and you have to, to stick with it because having variation within a single story becomes a bit of a jumbled mess.
2: And even within saying like investigative journalistic audio drama, you have like uh, Limetown and you have the Black Tapes, which are paced very differently. And very differently. It it feels you know, they're, they're two different shows that have a similar, slightly similar premise but they feel completely different.
1: So if you if you do want to check out what we're saying when it comes to the journalism view, but then um, differences in character development slash pacing across two that have the same style, go check out The Black Tapes and Limetown, and you'll see that there's just... It's, it is obviously very different stories, but the way that their stories are presented, they seem like they're for two entirely different audiences.
2: Now, another advantage for you might be perhaps you're like a theater troupe. Um, from my understanding is, uh, Wooden Overcoats is a amazing comedy, audio drama podcast, and they are, they record everything on a stage from, from what I've seen. Uh, they've got microphones in front of them and they, they sit in front of each other, but it's really, uh, that is their strength. You can feel like you're in the room with them and it's really a lot of fun. So whatever your niche is, uh, play to your strengths and, you know, go for that and be consistent. (laughs) <laughs> so, so, what is it now that we know what an audio drama is and why it's a decent medium, how does one write in audio drama?
1: Well, first, you come up with that one little thing that everybody hopes they always have, which is a good idea. Um, or a mediocre idea that you can kind of like beat with a hammer until it becomes a good idea. That's true too. <laughs> and you start with that idea, and then from that idea, you grow into um, like an outline. So I'm the way that I write, I'm very specific. I want to make sure that I know exactly where I'm going. I want to make sure that when I start writing, I don't suddenly get to episode two and go, well, darn, what are they going to do? So start with an idea, grow it into an outline for the general story, and then go in and outline every single episode.
2: A muster story is only one episode, in which case that's a lot easier.
1: Yeah, if it's like a little short one, like our Tales from the Towers, where it's just one little scary story, you just need to outline the whole thing, write it down, And yeah, you don't need to outline every episode if it's just one little episode. I guess you could just outline it. So after you've written the outline for every episode, um, you go back and you write and you literally write the entire season. It's best if you don't stop in the middle because there's one thing that really makes it when it comes to an audio drama, and that's the characters. And if you're trying to create characters, you need to think of completely different people from yourself. Um, One of the things that we've noticed when we listen to some audio dramas or we read other people's scripts is that some people only write with one voice. Um, So everyone
2: sounds like the same character. They'll all use the same...
1: Everyone has the same syntax. Everyone has the same way of speaking, Um, which is fine if you're writing an audio drama in Midwest America high school. But when you have an entire cast of different people in different walks of life, they need to sound like their individuals.
2: That is an interesting question. So what are, what's one of the most difficult parts of writing in the medium? Because I know you can't, uh, you know, onomatopoeia is a very interesting issue because you have nothing to see and you're like, oh, I'm here sitting in this chair yeah. with a hammer.
1: <laughs> There's some things that are really difficult to get across because, of course, you don't have access to visuals. Um, if somebody sits down in a chair, for instance, and you want to show that they're sitting down in a chair, maybe you'll put a bit of a squeak Um <sighs> Or a little bit of like a metal shifting or something like that. But you don't get that feeling of someone sitting back very relaxed um, in a situation where maybe you would think, oh, they have to be uptight. And they're actually being very relaxed and actually says a lot about their character. So you have to give very good voice acting um, direction because... Even if you write really, really well, if you don't give your actors any direction, then you can have an entire scene with an entirely different feel than what you were writing and what you were trying to get across.
2: How do you deal with writer's block? T
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I do get writer's block, but I get writer's block for certain projects at a time. Um, so I'll go from trying to write. Like when I was writing season two of Liberty Critical Research and I was just like, I cannot for the life of me get through this episode. Um, so I would kind of take a break. I'd step back and I'm one of those kinds of people who has a million things going on in my head at any time. Uh, so if I'm not thinking about going and baking a cake, I'm usually thinking about <laughs> sitting down and writing something else or creating a piece because um, in my day job I do art. Um So if I have writer's block, I'll be like, okay, I'm still creative. That's still the thing that I want to do, but I'm going to go do it in a different way. I'll write a different story. I'll write a short story instead of an episodic. I'll go create a piece of art or I like cooking, so I'll go cook something. And sometimes, and I know this sounds really silly, but if I run out of ideas, I need to go look at other people. I need to go and read books. I need to go watch television shows. I need to play video games. I need to get into something that other people have created and see if that sparks my ability to create again.
2: That can be helpful. What? Um, how important would you say character development is for the process when you're writing your season arc for however long it's going to be? Or even just, you know, a character arc? Yeah.
1: So, personally, I believe that character development is incredibly important. And I know that most people would say, oh, okay, personally, of course, everybody believes that. Um, <laughs> I've seen some writing that I would say people kind of just forgot about doing that. And... It's really very important if you start off at the beginning, when you're listening, it's kind of more than with reading because you're actually hearing the emotion through the actor's voice and you're getting to know this character as a person and you want to see them develop. You want to see something happen that creates a better or sometimes even worse version of that person by the end of it. So if you don't have that kind of character arc or character, character development, then you're missing out on a huge part of any type of story. Um, How to develop a character, though, is incredibly difficult. So it's not really something I can cover here.
2: (laughs) There's some really good podcasts that have uh, great examples of character development, uh, besides their own, of course. Um, Ars Paradoxica has some wonderful character development. The Black Tapes podcast has really cool character development. It's really rewarding to see um, the characters grow and develop. And you're like, wow, you know, I've gone somewhere with this person.
1: Character voice casting. So... The first thing I have to say is we all have friends.
2: Yes, so many good friends.
1: And they might be really good friends, but some of them might be really bad voice actors.
2: But when we were actually writing our first season, we uh, a strength of ours was like, oh, we know so many people who actually have pretty decent voices. So we wrote the characters to uh, the people we knew who could voice them. For not that, yeah. like
1: We are such a special case, though.
2: Well, think some people it. might like do that.
1: You, the people you know, like they're act, they're legitimate actors, well. and you're like, oh, just come be part of my little show. And they, <laughs> they totally did. Well, that was
2: that was playing to our strengths. But uh... <laughs> that
1: was that was that was think of our strengths. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, just remember, it's great to be a nice person, but if you're creating something and you really want it to flourish. Don't accept bad work. Don't accept bad work from yourself as a writer or a creator or a sound designer or a voice actor. And don't accept bad work from anybody else.
2: And that being said, don't you don't have to be a per- perfectionist. If you feel like it's good enough for you, then it's good enough for the yeah. world.
1: Everybody's standards are a little bit different. And that doesn't mean that any of them are wrong. It just means that if one of your friends does a fantastic job, And then your other friend does a semi-mediocre job and you say to yourself, I can tell the difference in quality, then realize that that's something that you should probably address.
2: Yeah. And you can maybe coach them and they can do a better job. And that's very possible.
1: It's always good to teach. It's always good to learn. So. Another thing that you'll probably notice is if you're listening to audio dramas, that the voices have to be distinctively different from one another. Yes. Um, There is a very common problem with several podcasts, um, audio dramas that even we've listened to where people literally sound exactly the same. It's...
2: Is that the doctor or is that the... It's a
1: mid-20s woman from uh, Washington State or it's two mid-30s guys from the UK From the same part in the UK, like they sound exactly the same. And when they're on, I don't want to say on screen, but when they're on record and they're speaking and you're trying to determine who's having which part of what conversation and you cannot tell the difference, it's becoming a problem.
2: Yeah, there are some podcasts that we listen to where it's legit impossible to tell who is talking except for what they're saying. And you have to be like, oh, okay. well, this is the this is the manipulative one. Okay, got it.
1: Oh, that one never swears, so it has to be that other one, and this one has to be that one. It's too much of a worry for your listeners, and it takes them out of just being able to enjoy the content.
2: Another quick writing note, um, people aren't going to remember the names of your characters very well. Not at the beginning. (laughs) Not at the beginning, and generally, sometimes not even over time, unless you say them over and over and over again throughout a show.
1: Writing-wise, if you have a world where it's like everyone says, thank you colonel bunny
2: thank you colonel bunny <laughs>
1: thank you colonel bunny and you're like oh that's colonel bunny it's colonel yeah. bunny
2: <laughs> it's colonel bunny everybody
1: all right next on we have
2: it's colonel bunny <laughs> it's colonel bunny. <laughs> okay, so another uh another fun fact about uh audio drama for us at least and we found this to be true um maybe perhaps other audio dramas haven't but we found casting female voices to be very difficult comparably to male ones
1: Yeah. um, And that doesn't just come from us having a lot of male friends versus female friends. We
2: have a lot of female friends.
1: But it's just harder to find women in the industry, honestly. Who are willing to voice act. Yeah. um, We had to stick my voice in at the beginning, and I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's just it's a strange phenomenon that we've experienced. Um, I'm not sure that's the norm, but it might be. So, so when you're, you're writing,
1: writing <laughs> yeah. and you're thinking, oh, I have these three really great female characters. I can't wait for them to have this amazing conversation that really evolves my plot. And then you're getting to the production stage and you're thinking, who am I going to cast? I only know one woman who will act. <laughs>
2: Well, we know a dog who will act.
1: <laughs> we know a dog who will act.
2: But um, on Facebook, uh, there are groups out there, like the Audio Drama Production Facebook group. They're extremely friendly, and people put out casting calls through them on occasion. Yep. And uh, they're also a really wonder. They're also a really wonderful resource. They're incredibly friendly.
1: You can find resources like that everywhere. Um,
2: everywhere from Craigslist to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's not go on Craigslist asking for random women to come and speak into a microphone. <laughs> That's true.
2: But uh, you can find voice actors uh, on a number of different websites. Um, what's the freelancer one? Uh, actually, freelancer is one. But uh, you... Upwork?
1: Oh, yeah. Upwork that, has voice acting.
2: We, we hate the site, but it's, it gets the job done But sometimes.
1: those are sites where you're supposed to pay your voice actors... Um, yes. So if you're new, you're just starting up. You have maybe one little microphone in your house. Um, maybe you can't afford to go hire a woman to do your voice acting. But if you, you can, can find your friends. You can find your friends. So um, try to have female friends. Who and a lot of act.
2: You know, podcasts are generally a free uh, production um, until yep. you get super big, which like we're not even there yet. Uh, but, uh, since they're typically a free production, you're, uh, not going to get paid as a voice actor and your podcast won't make you any money. So, uh,
1: we started this off really as just a huge hobby. We like working together.
2: It's still a huge hobby.
1: It's still, it's literally
2: the most huge hobby we have
1: this and playing video games.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Time consuming. And we get a little, we don't get the achievement unlocked thing every time we put on an episode.
1: No, but I do get a cup of tea. That's true. So, if you've ever listened to Liberty Critical Research, you'll hear that in the first season there's about five characters, um, and in the second season the cast goes up to like eight.
2: Yeah, the the core cast. The is. core
1: cast. Like um, we have a actors. lot of. I don't want to say superfluous
2: supporting roles <laughs> supporting
1: roles superfluous is the absolute wrong word thank you all of our supporting role actors you've done a wonderful job and, and remember really i wrote those lines so i really do appreciate that you said them <laughs> but if you start with a smaller cast at the beginning of your podcast and you grow that over time it actually makes it easier for your listeners to start understanding your characters if i put you in a room with 10 people and said learn all their names right now and know exactly what they are you would have a really difficult time remembering all their names. But if I introduced you to, like, two of them first, and then I introduced you to a few more and a few more, you'd actually know them. You'd be able to recognize their voices, which is really important when it comes to podcasting and audio dramas. Um, And it gets you invested in characters more.
2: And you have an idea of who they are and how they interact in a situation. You can say, okay, this person is predictable in this way. Like, okay, they're the, the bookworm. Got it.
1: Okay, so guys, if you've never written anything before and you're thinking, oh, this is, I've written 3,000 words. This is going to be like an (laughs) hour's worth of content. Guys, guys, no, guys. So um, don't think about page count because it means nothing. Well, it can mean nothing. Yeah, it can mean nothing when you're writing um, a script because there's so many spaces. Everybody starts on a new line. Literally, page count means nothing.
2: And and there could be many sound effects that extend the scene, or there could be absolutely nothing, and yeah. it will just go by because of the formatting.
1: So if you have a word on the page that says, um, "Can't think of a name," Bunny Colonel Bunny, we're going Colonel back bunny. to Colonel Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Bunny says, "Hello," in Bunny speak or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, you have this paragraph of text explaining that before he says hello there's the sound of him walking down a hallway and then the ding of an hopping, elevator hopping down the hallway hopping down the hallway <laughs> and then the ding of an elevator and then the ding of an elevator again as he walks out and then more steps and then he walks into a room and sits in a chair like all of that doesn't translate to a lot of time and you want to think about how long what you're creating is going to be um so don't write 3000 words and think this is good enough. It might be. It might be if you're doing like short little stories or um, a brief interaction between characters, but sometimes you want a lot more for a bigger story and to develop more and to have that plot that you so desperately want to get out of your head and onto paper and into people's earbuds. So,
2: so when writing for a script as well, um, it's probably worth mentioning that it may possibly should be in film script format or something similar to it or play script format. It's, you know, like a, a script that's being read by people. So it's it's like name, text, sound effect, or a description of what's happening in the scene, and then name, text, name, text.
1: So as far as um, writing scripts goes, there's actually a lot of software out there for that too. Um. So I actually I just use a word processor because it's what I've been using for all of my academic career, and then I just kind of transferred right into writing fiction. So I can use a pen
2: and paper as well. You can
1: use a pen and paper. Um, I do that. I have a lot of ideas when I travel. Um, I get so much done on planes. It's crazy. Uh, (laughs) We have
2: one really incoherent script that we both wrote on a plane.
1: Yeah. Well, that was in an airport, and then on a plane, and it was. And horrible
2: <laughs> but we <had> digressed <laughs> we, we were digress. so
1: tired um yeah so you can write any way that you're comfortable um but if you are going to be showing the script to other people specifically your actors it needs to be easily understandable and easily legible and if you're not the one choosing the sound design and foley <laughs> 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 then you might want to think about okay, what do I need to write in here so that the person who does that knows what I'm trying to convey in this scene? Are they walking on gravel? Um, Did they enter into a room that has a slight air conditioner noise because they're inside for the first time in a long time? Like, these sorts of things are the things that you need to convey in a script that otherwise is not going to be easy for your actors and your other people working and helping you build this to be able to understand
2: also, when you're writing the outline for your script, you might just write the outline for the first episode. Um, some of our friends at Small Town Horror uh, actually said that's their their writing style. He just he writes an episode, then he writes the next episode from scratch, and it's it's that's really the idea it's exciting. That gives
1: like, me the heebie-jeebies. But it's so like there's
2: a real romance for the for me that's that sort of an idea. Like you don't know where it's gonna go. It could go any direction.
1: I need my structure. I need my outlines. I need my citations.
2: So what's next on our list?
1: All right. So is your rig. My wig. Your rig. My
2: rig. Oh, <laughs> I, w- I thought I had hair. Okay. So so let's start with what you need physically and digitally to create a podcast. Uh, first, you will need a digital audio workstation or a DAW. A D-A-W. You can Google the term and it'll pop up. These are basically like as sound goes into your computer, this is what you use to edit the sound and turn it into... A cohesive format. So you're basically going to see like a timeline uh, left to right being the duration of time that's going on and up and down basically represent the loudness of the volume of what you're recording and you'll see different tracks. Um, sort of like an Excel spreadsheet. So each track will have its own row, and that can be sound effects, it can be voices, it can be ambience, uh, any number of things. So the DAW is what you're going to be using to edit everything together, and there's a lot of really great videos out there for each individual DAW you want to use. There's some really great free ones out there, like Audacity, maybe even uh, GarageBand for Mac, Um, And I use Mixcraft, uh, which has a free 30-day trial, which you can use. You download the whole thing, you get the entire use of it for free for 30 days. It's pretty awesome. And it's foolproof, because even I can use it. When you get to be more pro-level, a lot of the people who come from a music background will say, like, oh, Pro Tools is the way to go. And uh, also Cubase can be incredibly useful as well. Um, I think our guy, Brandon Strader, our, our mixing engineer, our sound engineer, Brandon Strader, uh swears by Cubase but uh that's that's basically what DAWs are you can get them for free or you can spend money on them that's where you can put in like sound effects and stuff and also edit the sound and add equalization and reverb and such which we'll get to later another thing you will need is a microphone this can be your telephone if you have a cell phone that has a recording feature this can be a an actual microphone you buy or a, a portable microphone like the sony h4n zune i'm using right now uh a Seinhauser MK4 and Caitlin's got
1: uh, a rude. really
2: expensive, what? Rude. Rude. Are you rural juror?
1: No, I'm pronouncing the, um, the old correctly.
2: Oh, okay. It's a rude. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a, <laughs> we or maybe of, I'm
1: pronouncing it incredibly incorrectly because they don't have that in Swedish. They only have that in Norwegian.
2: So, uh, a microphone stand would also really help if you're using it. Um, at home, it reduces the whooshing sounds as you're holding it in your hand, swaying from side to side, and also keeps the consistency of your voice uh, at a certain level. Also, you would want a there's a little wind catcher looking thing that goes in front of the microphone that really helps. If it looks you,
1: like a fluffy foxtail that you put on your microphone. Well, there, there's
2: a couple different ones. Um, it's the fluffy foxtail, the there are many other names that are inappropriate for a radio to say, um, but. There's that, or there's the windscreen version, and they're both very acceptable, and they'll help uh, actually reduce that sound when you're recording to some degree. As you record, your microphone has to somehow interface with your DAW, uh, your digital audio workstation, your computer, basically. So what I use is a fairly cheap thing. It is a Focusrite 2i2. I've upgraded to a 4i2, but you know, a 2i2 is really great. Two inputs, two outputs, or, you know, the number indicates that you can really get away with one. But uh, what it allows you to do is plug in your microphone into a USB uh, part on your computer, which your DAW will understand and allow you to record directly into your computer on the timeline, which is what uh, it's how it all takes place. Now,
1: remember, everybody, DAW DAW stands for
2: Digital Audio Workstation. So we'll have some links to all these different things in the episode description, so it's less confusing. Uh, you can go and check out videos or see what you like. There's a lot of really cool things. So now we're getting to a fun part, which is the recording element of our show. So recording. When you're recording with actors, some really important key things are to give them plenty of time to record. So don't invite them over and say, okay, we got five minutes. Let's let's get this page and a half of text.
1: That's not going to work, guys. <laughs> and a page and a
2: half of text is, is going to translate to about a minute, if it's dialogue, or it could be a lot more than a minute if it's a really slow, scary story. Oh okay. Another thing I wanted to mention was the prevalence of of background noise when you're recording, and the importance of really like when you're recording with a team of actors. Caitlin's trying really hard to create background noise. Um, when you're recording with actors and your air conditioners on, or your refrigerators on, or
1: all right, so, <laughs> no. I made background noise. <laughs>
2: Um, I found out that the electrical sockets in our old home um, were not grounded properly, so oh, it would God, make no. this noise every time I would record anything. So having uh, a power regulator or power conditioner, which is available at any music store for like about 60 bucks, that was a noise that I didn't expect. Another time I was recording too close to my laptop, which at the time was a piece of junk and was really loud and noisy and would make this Whirring noise. I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's the CD-ROM drive.
1: <laughs> okay, guys. But if that's too expensive for you, I know Travis talks about all of these really cool gadgets and stuff. But if you're just starting out,
2: yeah, don't be intimidated. Don't don't, don't, don't spend money. think,
1: oh, I have to go buy two hundred dollars worth of gear.
2: You really don't. um This is like fine tuning. So if you hear an electrical hum, but it's on all your tracks, that's fine. But if it's, you know, if you're recording and then you have someone in another state recording another thing apart from you um you can equalize it out or use tricks to do it but yeah it's not required it just makes life easier but the prevalence of background noise like if, if you have a fan on in the room that'll sound really noticeable or
1: a dog who won't stop scratching
2: yes that too so also when you're working with actors um in addition to giving them plenty of time also give them plenty of water that's really vital in the voice acting process and
1: basic decency if you have a guest over <laughs> <laughs> yeah offer them a drink Think of how you want your world to sound through people's speech. For example, um, if you think about American dialects and you're thinking, oh, I want them to be from California, but I don't want to say, oh, they're from California. Maybe they all have California accents. Or if I start listening to a podcast and everybody in the co- the podcast is British, I'm going to assume it's taking place in the UK. <laughs>
2: yeah, there are some key indicators. and uh They say in great storytelling, show it, don't say it. But in this sense, like show it in an audio way.
1: Yeah. So maybe don't say it, but you're going to hear things that tell you a lot more and help fill in that picture in your mind's eye. So that's what you have to be writing for and producing for.
2: Well, real quick. So when coaching your actors, we record in a way that has no one in the same room at the same time. We record one actor at a time with no prompts, except occasionally I'll talk at them. If it's edited properly, it can be effective. Uh, Other times, other podcasts and production crews will have everyone in one room with a bunch of microphones or one microphone in the middle of the room, and that can also be really effective. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just your preferences and what your tolerance for editing and insanity (laughs) and your vision is. So volume levels. um, I'm going to provide a pretty easy example of when you're recording... And you are talking, right? So I'm talking. And then if I'm doing a scene, if I'm talking into a scene, and then all of a sudden the volume levels are different in the scene, like I record everything this way, and then I'm recording another volume. Oh, my God, don't make any noise. This is so loud. But you can tell through just the ambient noise in the room that it's very dangerous. <laughs> I could hear it in my headphones. <laughs> yeah, I could hear it through your headphones on the other side of the room. So volume levels are very important. And if you have someone who has to whisper, you know, there's um, so on your timeline, you'll see these little black uh, symbols like it'll appear. Um, It's a it's a bar and it gets all jagged at times. If it reaches the high end of things, it's too loud. It's called spiking or being too hot. You can lower the input of your microphone or lower it on your DAW to try and make it sound better because it will sound horrible if you do that. It will sound absolutely horrible.
1: So a lot of this is going to depend on um, which doll you're using, what type of microphone you're using, what type of computer. So a lot of this is very personal to what kind of setup you guys have. Yes. So just adjust accordingly.
2: Yeah, and if you have any questions, uh, shoot us emails. We'll reply back to you, and then we'll also read your answer on our QA podcast episode coming up uh, in two or three months, whenever the series is done. so one of the things we do when we're recording uh, our cast is we have them repeat the same line three or four times. And the reason for that is they're not in the same room. They have very little reference for the scene except what we tell them. Or sometimes in the script, we'll put in notes. Um, Caitlin's been really great about that of late. Like she's put in some really crazy notes that are it's like, OK, you need to be whispering. You're agitated and you're trying not to be overheard by the people on the other side of the room. And that's like the scene. So that's really useful when you're recording and you're agitated, but you don't want the people to hear you. But having them record a part multiple different multiple times, like what about them? What about them? What about them? You get three different takes and it can blend better with the other cast members who are also going to be recording multiple takes and you can sort of mix and match and get the performance you're looking for.
1: Even if they say something that is perhaps in the same tone. So the one that Travis just did, his examples, they were completely different tones, um, completely different versions of, what about them? But sometimes somebody saying that three times over, they'll still say it a little bit differently. They'll have different inflection in their voice. And you can choose the one that best fits the character that you've tried to create so far.
2: And um, sometimes you'll notice that even bloopers or outtakes will sound more organic than what you were trying to go for when they were reading it perfectly.
1: Not... Everybody speaks so clearly all the time, and one of the ways that I think Travis does a really great job with our voice actors of making everybody in our world seem so real is that sometimes he'll use a blooper, because the blooper actually sounds more like a real person, and it makes the person more relatable.
2: So right now, we're going to actually have uh, one of our actors join us. Yeah. So let's call in Paul Maya.
1: Hey, Paul.
2: Hoi hoi. (laughs) Hey, how are your holidays?
3: It was okay. I just didn't have a lot of time to do Christmas shopping, so that part was stressful. But Christmas itself was good. So that's good to hear. How about you?
2: Pretty good. I uh, did a lot of editing on this episode of the podcast and a couple others. But speaking of process, he segued. What uh, what sort of process do you use when recording lines for our show or anything else?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, my process, well, um, at some point you tell me. Like, hey, now I put all the scripts in the Dropbox. And so I go and download all of them onto my tablet. Uh, This is probably different from everybody else's process. I go through each episode, and every time I see a line that says Kovsky, I read what it says. Okay. And then sometimes, you know, um, if if I have to look into it more, I'll be like, oh, okay. And then I'll read it again and uh, usually do the three different versions or something like that.
2: So do you ever look at the lines for other characters?
3: <laughs> for other characters? Um if it's the line like directly preceding a Kovsky line, then <laughs> I'll read what they say to, you know, have an idea of what's going on, but like Do you have any
2: examples? <clears throat>
3: well, I don't I don't know when this this comes in compared to the rest of your season, so I don't know if it's happened yet, but at some point some you told me some of the characters split up, right?
2: Yeah, that's already happened, though.
3: Okay, so <laughs> so those characters, if they're not near Dr. Kovsky, I have no idea what's going on with them.
2: What about with more complicated lines that have like a deeper subtext or something?
3: Uh, If the line seems really confusing, I'll maybe look around a bit before it, but no, I don't really know what's going on in the story up to that point. I just <laughs> go off of little notes you give me sometimes. Like, there'll be something that says, oh, he's scared here,
2: something like that. I'm so glad we started writing those in. So have you actually listened to any episodes of the podcast? Um, I haven't
3: yet. I've, no, that's not true. I listened to the demo you made of the first episode.
2: That was a while ago.
3: But after that, I haven't.
2: So you haven't heard a single finished episode. And I'm totally not offended, by the way.
3: (laughs) I've never heard a finished episode, no.
2: (laughs) Any reason in particular?
3: I don't think that's that unusual. Didn't, uh, I swear, just recently John Williams said, like, he thought his Star Wars scores weren't very good.
2: Yeah, I heard about that.
3: And that he doesn't watch the movies, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's that unusual for, you know, a character in the show to have not listened to the show.
2: No, that totally makes sense. Plus, eh,
3: well, you have me doing Kovsky pretty much as my normal voice, um... I mean, I speak a little bit differently than I, you know, would normally, like right now, obviously, (laughs) because if Dr. Kowski just sounded like me, everyone would think he's a jackass. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I just, uh, I don't like listening
2: to my own voice very much. Actually, I totally understand. But uh, actually, I have a very interesting question. So from your perspective, what do you actually think the show is about? Because, I mean, I keep getting messages from you that say, like, man, I wish Kovsky's favorite all-time female basketball team, the Rocket Punks, would win this year, and stuff like that.
3: I think you'll be surprised how much I know about the show. I bet it's more than you think. Okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm excited. This is... Okay. This is what happens. All right. So, Dr. Kovsky... Yep. Uh, he's a scientist. <laughs> okay. And he likes recording in his, uh... Well, I assume it's like a little handheld tape recorder or something.
2: Well, let's go with that.
3: Yeah. Um... And he meets some lady named Tongs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. Uh, and then some army people.
2: Okay. We're past episode one now.
3: And from what I understand, they live in like a... Well, I imagined it as like the... What's the name of the city? Coruscant or whatever. Like uh, in Star Wars, the the Republic place. Okay. So they live in a, a place with like technology and all that stuff. And then... I assume they... I don't actually know. Do they go over a wall or something?
2: Something like that, sure.
3: (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, they go wherever that is. The outskirts. The fringe. I remember that word. Fringe comes (laughs) up a lot. Okay. So they go out into the fringe and... Episode three. (laughs) uh, My understanding of that is it's like Mad Max, basically. Sure. Or like Road Warrior. Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Kopsky Road Um, Warrior.
3: Well, that's how I imagined it.
2: I'm honored by this metaphor.
3: So, he and the scientists go out to Fury Road, <laughs> and then they meet Immortan Joe, who that I don't know that Dismas guy. I don't know if he's been in the show yet.
2: Yep, yep, he's in. Um, he skipped a season, but keep going.
3: And then I guess everybody gets separated somehow. Uh, I don't know how that actually happened.
2: Surprisingly accurate.
3: But I think kovsky's whole point—he's just like researching stuff. He just makes notes in his recorder. That's his whole purpose.
2: Yeah, actually.
3: Um, and then, and okay. you, may, you might have to cut this because I don't know if this has, uh, or bleep me or whatever because I don't know if this has come out yet because I don't know what episode order you're doing things in, but he becomes <laughs> d- at the end, right?
2: Surprisingly accurate.
3: Uh, bleep it or cut it, whatever.
2: <laughs> so getting back on topic, so you basically record three different versions of each line with uh, some extremely basic context that you're getting from maybe the line before you in the scene. And then uh, it's all edited together into our story. Could you describe your recording process just a little bit more?
3: The three different versions of the lines is just so you have options. That way... <laughs> oh, yeah, because we were talking about my process before. So I'll sit down and read. Read? Or not read. I'll... I won't read. <laughs> I'll only read the Kovsky lines. But um, I'll... Read the Kovsky lines, but I'll do all, it's like 10 episodes, right? Yeah. All 10 episodes at once in one sitting. Okay. That way it covers, you know, like 90, 80 to 90% of what you need. Because then, <laughs> then you can come back and be like, hey, in this episode, uh, doesn't seem like you really know know what was going on here, because I didn't. There was uh, one I totally misinterpreted the situation. Yeah, it's bound to happen. Uh, <laughs> um, but... The good thing about that is uh when there are problems like that, or if I don't know how to pronounce the crazy words in your script
2: <laughs> and there are many
3: uh we just we can just have a Skype session and fix like you know four episodes at once in like a half hour or something so yeah that's that's the end of my process and the yeah the three takes thing is just to sort of scattershot it and hopefully you get one that works, i guess so how did you get
2: started in voice acting yeah? Well,
3: um, I mean, I guess in high school, uh, just talking about cartoons and stuff with friends, like remembering, oh, it's really funny in this scene when this happened, uh, just, I would imitate the characters and sometimes people are like, oh, wow, you sound, you know, a lot like that character. I think the first time ever there was, um, I used to watch Family Guy in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it like I'm ashamed of it. I know people still watch it, but... Anyway, uh, I was imitating the Cleveland character, and I said something like, Oh, Peter, you're the hat of just too muchery, or something. I think that's what it was. Um, and the kid next to me just started laughing. He's like, Oh, my gosh, you sound just like him. And I was like, Oh, do I? <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it before that point. But you do. I don't know. And then after that, it just uh, people would every once in a while tell me, like, Hey, you sound like that character. So it's really just doing a lot of uh, impersonations just for my own amusement and for friends' amusement.
2: Could you do, like, a Hank Hill? Raven door! <laughs> do you have any advice for someone who's just starting off in voice acting?
3: That's the uh, same problem as before. I can't really give people that are starting advice. Actually, no, I have some advice. Uh, and <laughs> it's don't be like me. Uh, I don't know. I, I get too nervous. Like, I don't know. I worry about stupid things like, oh, my, what if my recording quality is not good enough? What if... Uh, so don't
2: be insecure and just go out and do it <laughs> eh, something like that do you have any advice for people on maybe like voice technique stuff
3: if it's just uh, like impersonations that you're working on um, I don't know people ask me sometimes like how do you do these voices or something uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it's not very good advice I'm like oh you just try and sound like that character that's how you do it for some characters, I'm just like, okay, try and make this noise. And if it's like... Give us an example. Like if a tank Hill, like, whoa, or something, you know? <laughs> okay. Or the professor from Futurama would be like, whoa. Okay,
2: I see where this is going.
3: Um, so basically making, making whole noises as different characters. And if you can get that to sound like the character, then whatever you're doing with your throat, I guess, to make it sound like that character, just uh, do that same thing. But while speaking, and in theory, it should sound like the character. So, like, whoa, <laughs> oh, huh? I'm Dr. Martolokovsky. Oh, no, I'm Dr. Martolokovsky. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm Dr. Marshmallow whatever. Marshmallow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Marshmallow whatever. I just figured Zoidberg wouldn't get the
2: name right. Probably not. Hey, uh, Paul, thank you so much for your time.
3: Yep. Well, I hope uh, all this nonsense works and you can uh, weave your web of lies, <laughs> if you know <laughs> what I mean.
2: Why do you keep calling it that?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to let the people know what you're, you've been up to with your Frankensteining lines
2: together? <sighs> Cat's out of the bag. Okay, so we didn't record this entire conversation as a conversation at all. It's actually two different recordings. So you recorded your part. And then I recorded on top of your interview,
3: as in trying to create a conversation that never actually took place.
2: Yeah, I was basically trying <laughs> to capture and explain like the process to our listeners. And so this whole conversation, this interview, is not an organic interview. So Paul, in his place at whatever day and time, recorded his lines.
3: Uh, it's not quite New Year's. It's December thirtieth, and it's my time four thirty-six p.m.
2: And I'm recorded at. Uh, 3:44 p.m. on January second. You're good at
3: uh, at stitching stuff together. You do it with music all the time, and that works out pretty well. So thanks. Well, just uh, let me know when we. <laughs> Are you gonna need pickup lines for this fake interview? No, no. Because if so, that's that's <laughs> that, craziness.
2: That'd be meta, too meta.
3: All right. Well, then, if uh, this is enough for you to. Leave your web of lies, and that's what I'm going to name the <laughs> file, by the way.
2: Web of lies.mp3. Well, you go and have fun. Thank you so much again for uh, taking the time to record this, and Reeven Doors. Reaven
1: Doors.
2: Reeven Doors. Reeve Doors. Doors.
1: <laughs> So now we're actually going to move on to um, something that's mostly in Travis's world, and I'll be asking him the questions. So we're going to speak about Foley.
2: Foley. So there are some really great websites out there for people who don't want to touch Foley at all. Freesound.org is a wonderful website. You go there, you type in screwdriver, and then you find Creative Commons or an attribution license, which is like, okay, I'm I'll sure put them in the credits. i they know how to figure it out, dear. But you know, for, for attribution license, you have to give them credit in your credits, Uh, saying, I use the sound of screwdriver recorded by Tim in Germany. (laughs) But uh, you can basically grab sounds off of that website if you're super fancy schmancy.
1: The other one is Incompetech.com. In Incompetech.
2: Incompetech. I don't really use them. I've not been to the site, but I heard it's good. Also, Sonus is a great resource if you want to spend a few dollars to get the sound of horses, because it's very difficult to go out and record quality sounds of horses, I'm told. I haven't done it yet. But if you really want to make your own sound effects, uh, creating ambience can be really uh, fun. And I love creating Foley and uh, sound effects. So how that is accomplished, typically it's with a handheld microphone like the Sony H4n Zune, um, and you go to different places and you hear these sounds and you think, wow, that would be really wonderful. Uh, This elevator has a really nice hum to it and that weird uh, music in the background. Or you stand next to a freeway and pick up the car sounds. Or it's raining and you pick up the sound of rain. So it's basically grabbing your microphone, going to different places, and figuring out what sounds you want in your scene. And then for actually recording like sound effects, you can use almost anything. So you can basically grab like a tin can and put nails in it and rattle it, and that'll create sounds. Or you can hit a desk, and that'll create a sound. But uh, Or even squeaky chairs, or uh, stuff from freesound.org if it's something that's particularly difficult. Or you can walk around your floor with high heels on for footsteps
1: during the age of uh, the golden age of radio. There was actually people whose entire job it was just to stand in front of the microphone with an array of objects on a table and make noises um, that go with what's going on in the story that's being told of the radio. And Travis does that now with a bunch of different things. I mean, he has an old bag of mine that is filled with tricks. It's his bag of gas masks and Things that sound like guns, but are actually just little slidey things. and
2: 80% of the sounds come from this bag. Yes. Like, oh, it's a bag. <laughs> or the little jingly ambiences for like body movement. Or uh, the zipper sounds are kind of useful. And re- So
1: one of the other parts when it comes to Foley that's actually kind of like an intersection between um, the sound designer and the writer is how to create the ambience of the world itself. So he, Travis, is responsible for making the sounds Um, But it's our work between us both that actually creates what the world sounds like. Um, So for our world, it's a sci-fi, future, distant planet sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And because of that, we have a lot of things in our world that do exist now, things in our world that don't exist now, and things that don't exist in our world that exist now. (laughs) Yes. So... There's an interesting crossover. So we have things like the Sky Rail, which means we can have the sound of a train going by um, above our characters' heads while people around them are chattering about the latest broadcast or the sound of dinging things and people who walk by in large, heavy boots. Because that's the ambiance of our world. It creates the backdrop that people are listening to behind the voice of our characters through their struggles. Um, This is obviously different for whatever type of audio drama you're making. If you're making like a noir, you can actually add old sound effects of actual... um, (laughs) Oh, the little music. So (laughs) (laughs) Edict
2: Zero, F-I-S, does that a lot. They'll pull in random music clips. Um, They seem random, but they're actually, for each character, certain locations have them. And it's it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you'll see them also commonly in horror audio dramas and horror podcasts. Or it'll be like... Like, it'll be those really low sounds that you hear that help to create an ambiance that aren't part of what's actually going on. So it's not as though it's part of them talking, one person shooting another person or something like that. It has to do more with creating the world and the feel of the world around them. Ambient Um, tone. So if you're creating a fantasy audio drama maybe there's the clip-clop of horses in the background and splashing mud and falling rain and people but, who sound drunk while drinking ale <laughs>
2: or you can have those weird just like it's tones it's ambient tones yes. um, you can download a lot of free ones off of free sound um, uh, kevin McClaude also has a free library of music you can download literally for free and car commercials use them and stuff but Actually, uh, some podcasts that we really like use it as an introduction theme as well.
1: Yeah. So the last thing um, that actually I'm going to talk about when it comes to Foley oh. is save, 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 save. Oh, save. I should do that right now. I'm <laughs> stop this right now and record and
2: save. All right, I saved.
1: All right. So he just saved. And you know what? You should too. Literally save all all the time guys all the time so compulsively so just just if, if you're if you if you go all the way back to when you first had that first idea and you don't want to lose it save it by writing it on a piece of paper we were Write writing script, something save and it. it
2: it got deleted yes. I, I remember i was really upset travis
1: was doing an was, edit on a script and he had written a i was 6 ton pages through.
2: 6 pages <laughs> and
1: then the, the the word document quit on him and he's like it's gone i was like did you save
2: <laughs> massive revisions lost
1: did not save so save guys save all the time. Yes. Just, oh my God, do it. Yeah, so that's the last of that. Now let's go to editing.
2: So as you're putting the sound effects together, it's a process of what you feel is good and it's it's very much your judgment. I will sometimes have blurred judgment because I'm one of the characters in the scenes, so I will have Caitlin direct the scenes that I'm involved in to make sure that I sound organic as a character, Severus Jonkvist.
1: I know what I want to hear because I wrote it and I can hear them in my head. So oh, yeah. So when it comes to actually listening... And being super judgmental of voices, I got that down.
2: (laughs) So it's the difference between, all right, let's go, and all right, let's go. You know, with different uh, sound effects and timing, and editing is basically putting everything together, um, creating the scene, painting the picture. You have all the colors, you have all the, I guess, actors are colors in this metaphor. (laughs) And then sound effects are glitter? I don't know. But there's... (laughs) There's a metaphor to be had here that I'm not thinking of. That's basically the editing process, and as you're putting everything on a timeline, as you're setting the volume levels for each track to make sure that the background noises don't—they're not louder. The background noises aren't louder than the main characters who are talking, um, unless they're supposed to be, which happens from time to time. Uh, you're able to edit all that stuff and make it sound good. Uh, so the next next up, we have mixing. Uh, and we have another guest with us today. So joining us this segment is the sound engineer who mixes our show, Citizen Brandon Strader. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how was your holiday? Christmas? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Uh, how was yours?
0: My Christmas was pretty good. Good to hear it. I had to work in the morning and the afternoon at Christmas Eve. And then I had to work Christmas Day afternoon. But I got to go see my family right before work on Christmas Day.
2: That sounds pretty good, at least. So uh, we wanted to ask you some questions about mixing, but we suspect that many of our listeners might not have a full idea of what mixing and mastering these really archaic concepts really are. Could you briefly describe both the process and what the words actually mean or involve? So what is mixing?
0: Mixing is just setting all the volumes for every sound. Okay. Okay. Panning it left and right. Adding effects? Adding effects. Like, you got reverb, you got compression, you got, well, different kinds of reverbs. Such as? Some that do different things, like making stuff sound farther away, or making it sound like you're in a big room. Yeah, and you got echo, stuff stuff like stuff like that. You also equalize, use the EQ, do some high passing, get all that cruddy bass out of the sounds. The ones that muddy everything up, you don't want everything to be muddy.
2: You want to have a clean mix so you
0: can get a good master
2: out of it. And to clarify, that is the equalization of the frequencies, the low and the high end of uh, sound. Yep. So what is mastering?
0: I'm not sure I even know what mastering means. (laughs) Mastering is when you set the volume that the thing is going to be. You trim the silence off the beginning and end. You're basically getting it ready for release out to the public world. That's bas- basically what mastering involves. There could be compression or like the equalization limiting and other stuff.
2: And that can happen in mixing and mastering?
0: There doesn't have to be, but there can be. That can be part of it.
2: Cool. So now that we know what mixing and mastering means in theory, what, uh, what sort of stuff is involved? Can you briefly describe the process of mixing a single episode for our show and what that entails? And like, what do you do? What I do, well, dang. All right, let me think about this.
0: My workflow for mixing critical research has changed over the, well, I don't know if it's been years. It's definitely been months. Uh, But now what I'll do is I'll insert three group channels. One for all the voices, one for all the sound effects, and one for all the ambiences. And I'll route all those different tracks to each of those channels. On the voice one, I'll set up all the processing for the voices.
2: Uh, Processing in layman terms. Uh, The
0: reverbs, a little tiny bit of compression. On the sound effects, it'll just be a little bit of reverb, a little bit of compression, EQ for a high pass to get all that bad bass out of there. Basically the same thing for the ambience, except the reverb levels might be a little bit different. So once I have all that in there, that's basically the biggest part of the sound that you get at the end then after that it's setting the levels you know volumes you got your panning left and right where you want things to be at the right spot for the episode that's about it really i mean it's all just a matter of listening and know what volume everything needs to be so so that it sounds like a realistic representation of what's going on in the scene i guess.
2: So what sort of tools do you use for the mixing process? What is your DAW, your digital audio workstation?
0: I'm using Cubase 6.5. I need to upgrade, but it's very expensive. So I haven't done that yet, but hopefully one of these days. Man,
2: Cubase is expensive. Uh, what would you recommend for someone just starting off? Like, what What's a good tool for them to use? Not like a DAW, it's something else.
0: My best recommendation for what to use for mixing is your own dang ears. And, of course, you also should probably look at the little, like the little bar that moves when audio plays. It starts out green, then it goes yellow, then it goes red. Uh, red means something's too loud. You should be able to listen and tell if something sounds right. That is the most important skill for someone working in audio to have... And it's something that a a lot of people kind of just gloss over that, and they don't get that down. You can't just tell by the numbers and by the panning that something's going to sound right.
2: So what you're saying is it's really more of a feeling and, like, listening than a science. I mean, technically, I could,
0: like, do set levels, set panning, and all that with the audio muted, because at this point I know how, where stuff should be, how it should be EQ'd, but you you have to trust your ears when you're making a mix. That's your most important tool. Secondly, I'd say Cubase, get Cubase.
2: <clears throat> Mixcraft, much cheaper. So, what's the most difficult part of the mixing process for you? Hmm. I'd have
0: to say the most difficult part is trying to uh get volumes under control within a single track like when when there's a lot of dynamics, something could be really really quiet and then have these loud sections. You know, just splitting off the track and raising or lowering volumes works, but sometimes it uh, makes it sound messed up because you've got stuff that's recorded loud. You can tell it's loud, and then you have the stuff that's soft. You can tell
2: it was recorded soft,
0: but then it's boosted up, and you can tell that it's just something quiet that was boosted.
2: Something quiet that was boosted, you say? And making that blend in normally, yeah. That's something I struggle with sometimes. What's something fairly easy that someone who's learning about mixing could do to sound more professional? To hire a sound engineer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you pan stuff properly, keep an eye on your bass levels for the master. Don't let the bass be too high. Don't let the end be completely mud. And if you're recording, turn your furnace off. Like if you're recording acoustic guitar, because you don't want background noise. Just appearing out of nowhere in your acoustic guitar or voice recording. Could be vocals. You could be recording vocals and your furnace just turns on and starts making noise. Or when you're doing sound effects. Yeah. In the winter, that could be tough. You have to turn your furnace off. Or in the summer, you have to turn your air conditioner off. Or refrigerator. Very uncomfortable. But those are the sacrifices people make when they are taking something seriously.
2: (laughs) So as a sound engineer, what is your favorite part of the process?
0: And My favorite part of the process? Uh, I like the very end when stuff starts to sound like it's a real thing. That's the best part. Because early on, like even up to the 95% point, it might be a total mess. You're like, eh, this isn't really fitting together yet. Not yet. But then that last little piece of whatever it is. You get the final setting set up properly, and everything's going good. That's my favorite
2: part, listening to it when it's either right at the end or when it's done. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's the best part. So you also mix Tales from the Tower. Have you ever been spooked or surprised when you're working on an episode? Yes, I remember I was working
0: on the very first episode of Tales from the Tower, and there were all these crazy voices. They were like ghost voices. They were all like... saying something and there was like a loud whisper and everything was layered and it was panned or something so it sounded really big and it was scary i don't remember what he said but i remember it being scary i'm glad you found my work scary i remember yeah like i wasn't ready for that so listening to it i thought it was pretty scary like the words or just the way it sounded Maybe it was unmixed at the time, too, so it was really loud and hurt my ears. Sorry about that. But it was <laughs> it was pretty
2: awesome, and I liked working on Tales from the Tower. It was a good show. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yep. But a lot of people don't actually know how much work goes into making a podcast, and uh, it, it can be a lot of fun. It can be really rewarding, but it also is, like, cripplingly tough at times to get through it.
0: Especially when you're on a deadline, you only got one day and you got to work two shifts on that day. But one of those shifts is the shift where you could hook up your laptop and you're like, oh, I got an hour, maybe two hours. I could... Pop this mix out, this will be good. I can get this podcast mixed and then we can get it released by tomorrow. It'll be good. This suddenly got very personal. Oh, I did such a good job on this mix, and then you send it in, you listen to it. Oh, I got eight pages of revisions. We gotta have them (laughs) done before midnight though, so you better get to work on this. It's true. I'm like, oh, but now I gotta hook my laptop up on my desk over here, which means I gotta go out in the cold and get my laptop out of my book bag, out of the car, and bring it back in the house. Gotta hook it up and plug it in over here on my desk. That's a lot of work. But it is fun. Yeah, mixing is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's rewarding. You get to hear stuff. Like you can make stuff. Well, I guess you get to create stuff and then listen to it. It's pretty rewarding. I've always liked that about creating music and stuff. You'll have something you can look back on several years later. So basically just keep with it. I guess when
2: you have to do something, you do it and you get better at it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. What's the best way that someone who's learning how to mix could get better? The best thing you could do is probably just run your mix past someone
0: whose opinion you trust, and see what they say about your mix. If they say something's off, then fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. And experiment. Listen to other music or podcast. Then listen to yours. See how much worse your music sounds than theirs or podcast. Then. Make a plan of attack to fix that. And make your songs or recording, whatever it is, make your mix sound better. Get it closer to something that sounds good. That's basically, hmm, yeah. I mean, you can go on YouTube and look at a guide for specific things. If there's something you really want to do, your best guide is going to be your ears, like I mentioned earlier. Just listen to it. Make sure it sounds good. If it doesn't sound good, then fix it. And listen to other stuff to know what to listen for. Like, you got to be able to tell when it sounds bad. When there's something wrong, then you just got to go fix that. That makes sense. Anyway, I'm really appreciative to have the opportunity to work on this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. There's been some tough times where we've had crazy deadlines. Crazy deadlines. There's been some... Some of the podcasts have had a lot of tracks in them. Like 20 plus every episode uh, now. It's been a pain in the butt. But it's good stuff. I like the podcast. I like Tales from the Tower. Cool. Hey, straighter, hmm. we got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Mixing's a lot of fun, and maybe fun. one of you folks listening to this might just pick, pick, pick it up.
2: Reve doors Yep. Reve doors So what is last on our list, Jerzy?
1: Well, actually, we have uh, three more things three. to talk about today. Okay. And uh, the next one is uploading and actually getting your stuff, your audio drama, your podcast, your writing, your world your available creation. and out there for everybody else to see. So um, we utilize iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Boom, YouTube. We also utilize Google Play. We also utilize things like Podbean. Um, oh, my gosh. There's literally so many places out there. There's a zillion. Where you should be posting your podcasts, um, your audio dramas. And it's good to have a schedule because you don't want to be, oh, like I posted one two weeks ago. Maybe I'll post one another week. And then it's been three weeks between the last two episodes. So I'll post one tomorrow. Having a schedule makes it easier on you to know what you're producing, when you're producing it, and easier on your listeners because they know when they're going to be getting the content that they want to hear.
2: And always stay on schedule. Always even if you just announce something to announce that you're going to be late. Always stay to your schedule.
1: It's like, hey guys, I fell off a mountain and broke my legs. Sorry you were expecting an episode today.
2: Even our all-time favorite podcast, the No Sleep Podcast, once had an episode where they're like, yeah, we were, drank a little too much for New Year's Eve, so the episode will be coming uh, next week.
1: I don't remember that.
2: It, it happened um, season two or three, I think. It was really funny. Oh my god, that's so So hard. But uh, some podcasts have really regular schedules, like we're every two weeks. That's pretty reasonable for what we do, which is a twenty to thirty minute show.
1: There are some podcasts that again aren't audio dramas, but just like talking head podcasts. People talk about movies, cars, whatever they want to talk about. So easy to edit. Those are a lot easier to create and a lot easier to edit. um, So they can uh, release them a lot faster than we can release something that has all the a fully sound design scripting that we have. Um so yeah, we keep to a two-week schedule.
2: Some other ones that are really good, like Ars Paradoxica, they're on a monthly schedule. And oh my gosh, it's monthly, but I love the show. So I'm still gonna go back every month and listen to it.
1: Yeah. Maybe at the end we can talk about podcasts that we like. <laughs> Just remember schedule and get it out there to all the ones that you can. You're going to need, I think, two or three episodes to upload to iTunes to begin with.
2: Sometimes. There's actually a few YouTube how to get on iTunes. You just (laughs) got to,
1: you can Google most of the stuff, guys.
2: It's it's not that scary. Although it seems really scary, it really isn't. And also, uh, you can use PodTrack to monitor how many people are actually, you know, listening to, downloading, subscribing to your work. And actually, while you're listening to this, you can go and give us a... Review on iTunes if you liked this and just say, yeah, this episode was really helpful. Or subscribe to our podcast, perhaps.
1: Well, that's actually our next bulletin is advertising. Oh. Advertising. <laughs> advertising. Merchandising. Merchandising. You know. um, we have... Actually, we do have merchandise.
2: That's funny. We, we didn't have merchandise this time last year. <laughs> oh. we, have a, we have a comic book and we have a, an iconography guide. We got Statues, statues
1: and... Jeez, we have a lot Yeah, we do. She said, sitting in front of a tower of comic books.
2: (laughs) We also have a Patreon page. uh, We do.
1: But we're not doing that right now. We're talking about helping other people. Yeah, it's true. So um, advertise your works. Obviously, you just created something that you're so proud about that you actually released it out into the world and you want people to listen to it. So how do you get your word out there? And let's go back to the very beginning, which was what is your niche and how are you going to reach out to those people?
2: Our thing is we're sci-fi, we're action adventure with a bit of a sciency edge. Pew, we ping, get into ping. like really <laughs> intricate speech that I can't even replicate in real life because um, Caitlin writes it and she's got a scientific background, Oxford graduate. But yeah, our our thing is sci-fi and it's pretty universal. So. We advertise a lot on Facebook, not spending money. We just tell people like, hey, new episode came out. We tag a couple of the actors. We're like, these people did really good in it. If you like these people, which you probably do because they're your friends on Facebook, you might be interested in this podcast they're voicing. And hey, look, he's a cannibal in this one.
1: <laughs> so we try to reach out to groups of people that we know would be interested. So sci-fi groups, um, action-adventure groups. Reddit. It's always important to post consistently. Um, we actually have a great person on our team whose name is Pam. And she does great work for us on our Twitter account. She really keeps us uh, updated and out there so that more people can get interested and find out about the world of liberty. So it's good to set up things like a Twitter account. Um, We also utilize Facebook, Reddit, Tumblr, Instagram, Inger. Oh, geez. We literally we will use anything and everything we possibly can to make sure that people can hear what we're doing because we believe we have a great product, a great podcast, a great audio drama adventure that we want everybody to be able to experience. And you guys should feel that way about what you're producing as well. You've spent so much time making it, you should want people to want to listen to it. Um, So posting consistently is always great.
2: Uh, So if you're on Twitter, one great place to advertise or mention if you're doing an audio drama is Audiotainment News. Um, Pam Getchell, who works with us and is actually a She does our Twitter and Facebook and social media helps us out. She's amazing. She loves podcasts and audio dramas specifically, and she'll uh, advertise them. And like, she's really excited about all audio dramas. There's also the group you mentioned, the Facebook group, uh, Audio Drama Production. Facebook group. Facebook group. I know the group tab is a weird one to find these days because of how Facebook's laid out. I mean, it's so weird. If you find it, it's worth joining Facebook groups that are about this. And you can talk to fellow people who are interested and ask questions as well.
1: Um, And I know that we said this in passing, but Reddit, um, I'm a pretty big Redditor and uh, Travis less so, but I created the um, subreddit Liberty Endures, which is a subreddit just for our podcast where people can go and actually have links to all of our episodes where they can go and ask questions, where they can see updates about the world of liberty itself. And it's created a space where um, a small section of our fans can go and actually see a lot more about our world and I would recommend that to anybody else as well. In addition to having your own subreddit and having your own fans go to that subreddit, you as a cre- uh, like a creator and a producer can actually go to several other subreddits such as um, podcasts, podcasting, audio drama, and there's going to be a lot of people there with other things to show you and advice, and people there are always so helpful. They're going to be talking about recommendations for headsets, recommendations for good microphones, recommendations for good sound effects, script reviews, um, assistance on character creations, those sort of things. They are a great community and they're always willing to help.
2: And for those of us over the age of 30, what Reddit is, it's basically like a forum. He's not over the age of 30. (laughs) I'm not over the age of 30, but for those (laughs) who might not know what Reddit is, it's basically a place on the internet where it's a forum, (laughs) a giant forum. And yeah, yeah, Uh, And for those of us who don't, Facebook is also a really great uh, tool for the Facebook groups out there for audio dramas.
1: The last really big thing that we have is repeat and endure. So (laughs) only continue working on this. If this is your hobby or if this is something you wanted to try, go for it. Try it out. See if it's fun. Be creative. But only keep doing it if it makes you happy. Um, repeat so that you can have great product out there that you're happy to show, happy to have people listen to. But if it's not making you happy and it's not the thing that you want to do, maybe go back to doing whatever you were doing before. Maybe video games. Yeah, I was gonna say video games <laughs> because I want to go play video games. Christmas just happened and I want to play my new games. They're uh, pretty great. So repeat and endure. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. There are times when I'm up really late trying to get edits done on an episode. Or trying to think of a new short story for Tales from the Tower or something like that. And I feel like I want to go to sleep. I feel really frustrated. I feel like I want to go play my video games. Um, But you just have to endure. Because sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, if I get through this part, then I get to have the reward at the end. Which is having it out there and letting other people listen to it. And knowing that what I'm making is appreciated.
2: Yeah, and I'm also up for at least three hours per episode doing just sound effects. So so it, it's a lot of work, but um, I'm really proud with what we, of what we create. Um, I, I didn't write the stories, but I'm really proud of them nonetheless. To say like, yeah, this is something that Caitlin and I put together with a bunch of our friends.
1: Yeah. Um, so the next thing on our list is the Q&A.
2: We have a few questions from some of our listeners uh, that had asked for the Q&A episode that we're going to read now.
1: So one of those questions is, do you feel like you've done better as a writer as the story progresses? Okay. Um, yes. I go back and I read my scripts from season one, and then I read my scripts from season two, and then I read my scripts from other things that I'm currently writing, and I think to myself that I've grown so much as a writer, um, even from that first season, that sometimes when I hear a certain sections of dialogue from season 1 I have this little cringe and I'm like, "Oh, I could have written that so much better." <laughs> but live and learn, and that was my very first season writing an audio drama, and I feel like for what it is, the very first time I've ever done that, I did a good job.
2: That was your first like non-academic writing. I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Oh, I'm not writing a paper anymore and I don't need citations." That's kind of wonderful. But I've grown a lot since then as a writer, and I feel like what I'm creating now is actually a lot better than what I created in the past, and I hope that's the same for anybody else who starts making audio dramas. Like, you start off not really knowing what you're doing, and not having a sure footing, and then you just keep doing it until you feel like you're fighting the current and doing great.
2: Except wooden overcoats. They're the best all the time.
1: <laughs> Such a fanboy.
2: Yeah, they are amazing. But yeah, uh, that was that's a good question.
1: So I have another question, and this one is... Do you have any sound effects that you created that were the most fun to create? Wait, the most fun to create.
2: I think anytime I leave my room to record something, it's a victory. Um, I really enjoy sound effects that I leave to do. But I found some really cool tricks over the uh, year I've been doing this. Eating sounds are a lot of fun, and they sound really gross. Yeah, because he gets to eat food. Scratching sounds can sound disgusting at times. Um, little motion sounds can be really gratifying. Like when a, an actor has so much enthusiasm, like Dismas, he's like so happy. And then you do like a little hand sound to accompany Like,
1: Remember, the people in this don't know who Dismas oh. is. Oh,
2: well, when you have really enthusiastic actors, uh, it can be really fun to add motion sounds they did not naturally record.
1: So the answer to the question is he likes making lots of noises. <laughs> yeah, I ramble. Do you think that as time goes on with the podcasting it'll take you less time um to create foley and stuff? Do you feel like you're going to evolve and level up and become a better foley designer or whatever?
2: Well, it it depends on what you write.
1: Oh True. yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: Our, our I do last... know.
1: I got some stuff coming up that's like really, really going to have a lot of background stuff now. <laughs> yeah, it, it really
2: depends. Um, I can be the greatest Foley guy in the world. And then there's a scene with a lot of people and background characters and lightning and someone's struggling hand grenades. <laughs> and then there's like five people in an airplane
1: This is a really weird scene. So, so far, there's five people on an airplane. At least one of them is juggling grenades. No, 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 no. And there's lightning going on.
2: That's the comparable scenes. They're two different scenes. Or, you know, two people having a picnic by the river. You know, that's much easier (laughs) to record. I could use that Icelandic beautiful water sounds. You know, that's that's the difference of it. But, yeah, it, it depends on what's written. So, we finished our drinks, and we think we've answered all the questions that we can uh, in a very basic sense on making a podcast. So making this, an
1: audio drama podcast.
2: Yes. So... Uh Without further ado, this is the end of our little making an audio drama podcast season break.
1: Thank you, citizens, for listening to this episode of the Not Liberty Critical Research podcast. Um, Please do leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud, anywhere that you hear our audio entertainment. In addition to that, if you have any questions related to Liberty Critical Research or this episode regarding how to make an audio drama podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at thelibertycomic at gmail.com our Facebook page, facebook.com slash endures, or our subreddit, r slash endures. If you've enjoyed this episode and enjoy our podcast, please feel free to leave us an iTunes review or a SoundCloud review anywhere that you hear our audio entertainment.
2: Also, if you would like to see a great example of a Patreon, please check out patreon.com slash
1: podcast. We really do love what we do. We love making this podcast. We this is the silly thing we chose to be our joint venture into hobbies
2: we get to be creative together it's fun
1: yeah but between buying replacement things for our audio equipment cords and all the stuff that we have to do like buying little sound effect packets which i did not know sound effect packets costed so much but apparently sound effect packets can cost a lot they can
2: (laughs) they can be a lot
1: um so Every time that we get a new patron, we kind of have like this little mini celebration dance. Uh Every dollar that we get for every episode that we make really means a lot to us because it's helping us continue to create the wonderful podcast that we do. And we have a lot more planned. We have so much planned, guys. And we want to be able to bring it to you. So...
2: It'll be out of this world.
1: Yeah. com slash Liberty Podcast.
2: So... Uh... Episode's pretty much over, but uh, I just wanted to ask you informally. So, what are some audio dramas that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: Okay. Um, Or
2: people new to audio dramas.
1: So, I'm a horror junkie. I like both, like, arcing storylines for horror and anthologies. Of course, we mentioned it earlier and I'll mention it again. I love the No Sleep podcast. Yes. I
2: love the No Sleep podcast. It's fantastic. The No Sleep podcast.
1: So... They started off really small, and now they are huge, and I love it because it means they're going to go on for so much longer. Um, If you like short horror stories, and you like the idea of listening over the course of like an hour to like five really cool horror stories that have nothing to do with each other, and they're just little bits of horror, and that's totally your dig because it's totally my dig, go check out the No Sleep Podcast, um, available on iTunes, available so many places. We actually... They're like our heroes when it comes to podcasting. And we've met some of them. They're great people. They deserve all the goodness that comes to them via this podcast. And they make great horror entertainment.
2: And just to clarify, if you start with season one, it will sound like a first time at someone doing a podcast because it was their first time. Yeah. And it gets better and better and better. They're in like season eight now. It's incredible. It's
1: incredible. It's their
2: full-time job. So
1: think about it this way. If you think about our podcast and you think about our first season and then you think about our second season, we're just going to get better. Just like them, we're just going to get better from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to that, I really like the black tapes that we talked about earlier. I also actually liked Tannis more than the black tapes.
2: So what what is the black tapes and what is Tannis? You have to explain this.
1: So those ones actually have a lot more um, of that journalism format that we talked about earlier uh i don't want to really say what they are but they're what both are they paranormal, about um
2: paranormal
1: paranormal investigations that lead in two completely different directions so the black tapes is like if the if nbr tried to go after ghosts ghosts <laughs> And then the other one is if NPR wanted to go after what makes people cray cray.
2: <laughs> and, and that's uh, in the respective order of the black tapes is and the ghosts Tannis, one yeah. and then Tannis. Um, the so I really,
1: really like those ones. Um, in addition to that, if you're if you enjoy that uh, journalism aspect of Tannis and black tapes, Limetown, which it's we talked fantastic. about earlier, is actually uh, Travis actually prefers Limetown uh, to the black tapes. I mean, it's I, a
2: very fast-paced uh it's only got one season, but it only needs one season. Like it's uh, a very fast-paced investigative journalism piece on the mysterious town of Limetown.
1: And then for sci-fi, because we write sci-fi. Yeah. Um Sayer. I actually really enjoyed Sayer, and I just found out today that they really they're releasing season four. Um I saw it posted by Geekly Inc. Sayer is coming out with a fourth season, and I they had said they were over. And then they got nominated for an AVA, and now they're coming back.
2: Also, uh, Ars Paradoxica* is yep, pretty wonderful. I was say that one. <laughs> time traveling, uh, going forward through time—sorry, backwards through time—to uh, the 1940s. It's pretty incredible. It questions your concept and uh, your perceptions of time, and the voice acting is a lot of fun. Uh, really great cast and some really cool sound effects.
1: So I know I keep interrupting, but back to horror. <laughs> <laughs> let's go there Um, Pseudopod has been around for about a decade and they've been doing audio horror entertainment for about a decade you can find some of their older stuff archived online not all of it's available on iTunes short stories by tons of different authors read by a variety of different actors and again it's just short horror Um, I've only just started listening to some of their older episodes because there's a lot to get through there's a decade's worth of content but if you're kind of like me and you just consistently run out of horror to listen to, Uh, go check it out.
2: Another sci-fi one is The Orphans, actually. Uh, That's a very fun one. The audio design is really great. Um, These people find themselves uh, crash-landing toward a planet, and that's the beginning, and it it only gets better (laughs) from there. So finally, uh, one that I wanted to recommend was Edic Zero FIS. Uh, It has very immersive sound design. You can actually feel like you're in the locations. They also do something cool um, in that they use music, Uh, which I'd mentioned earlier, um, to set a mood or tone or or characters even. Um, And uh, it's basically a sci-fi noir.
1: So a lot of the ones that we're listing here are actually really, really popular ones because um, maybe you are just getting into audio dramas, and these are great ones to start with. There's obviously a lot of little niche ones too, and new ones that people are starting up. So keep your eyes open for... Things that you never expected. Uh, I always like going into the iTunes section at the bottom of the ones that I enjoy and look at what they recommend, because um, that's how I just keep going for one horror podcast, to the next horror podcast, to the next horror podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> After Dark. Speaking of which, we gotta start that one.
1: Oh, I started with the message. Ooh. Uh, and then when I get through the message, I'll get to. Uh, life After. Not After Dark, but Life After. And then I'll do After Dark. There's so many good podcasts out there, guys.
2: <laughs> so in short, there there are a million great podcasts to listen to. You can uh, actually meet many of the creators of them online uh, through their respective subreddits or Facebook pages and stuff. Yep. And they're really friendly people. Yeah. So that's um, those are recommendations. Uh, this is our show and we hope you've enjoyed it and maybe are empowered to go make your own podcast. Or now you can appreciate audio dramas more because you know what goes into making them.
1: Exactly. Liberty endures. Liberty
2: endures. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut.